0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the final episode of the Free Marketeers for this year of 2020. It's been a pretty boring year, so I'm sure Martin and I won't have an awful lot to talk about, but I'm sure we'll we'll make do as best we can. Martin, later on, we're going to get into a few predictions for next year. We'll also talk about expropriation without compensation, a big focus area for the FMF, of course, uh, has been this year and will be going forward. I thought we'd start off, though, with your most recent article on uh, data prices, uh, specifically on uh, directives, a specific directive that President Ramaphosa gave to his ministers a week or so ago. Do you just want to cover a bit what you talked about there?
1: Yeah, well, firstly, let me apologize to viewers for the dark lighting here in my uh, in my home. Uh, the power just went out a minute before we started recording. Uh, as things tend to happen in South Africa. So uh, that's nice. Uh, It's not load shedding, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, I don't know. Uh, But yeah, infrastructure is crumbling, so things continue apace. But anyway, yes, so about a week ago, President Ramaphosa, in one of his addresses to the nation, directed the Minister of Communications, uh, Stella and Abeni Abrams, to cut uh, to do many things and other ministers to do other magical things as well. But specifically, she had to cut data prices in half by 50% by 2024. Um, what, what great, fantastic things our ministers can do with the magic of government power. Um, and uh, she is supposed to achieve this by price control. Surprise, surprise, so she needs to uh, issue a regulation saying cut prices in half, and then all the MOs will do it, and everyone will live happily ever after. Of course, we know that this is not how uh, things transpire, especially when one engages in price control. Uh, prices are market phenomenons uh, that are arrived at through supply and demand, through scarcity and abundance. Uh, they're very technical uh, economic institutions that, for some reason, politicians think can be. Uh, 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 submitted to the political process. And it has always been a disaster because when, uh, especially when you control the price of goods, uh, you usually end up with uh, scarcities, with shortages of that good. Uh, This was very uh, prominent in in communist nations. This is what led to, uh, for instance, the uh, Great Leap Forward's massive famine. Uh, the, all of the more in um, in the Ukraine which killed millions of people this these are all price controls effectively um, and government directing where goods and, and so on should go of course internet provision is a service uh, so it's not going to be as obvious uh, that there is now a shortage but one of the things that for instance could happen is that data providers would stop investing in more towers and more uh Fiber lines and more ADSL lines because they need to compensate for their lower profits now that they're getting from the reduced, the forcefully reduced price of data. So our connection speeds will slow down. We might not keep up with the rest of the world when we go on to the next G, for instance, 6G or whatever comes next. Uh, and our current infrastructure uh, uh, quality might also go down. And I mean, this is all very foreseeable from our uh, Austrian economic perspective, but for most people, and especially for government, these are very much unforeseen consequences of what they're doing. And hopefully these are unintended consequences rather than intended consequences. Um, I think former president Jacob Zuma said a few months ago uh, that they wanted the economy to collapse because then... Uh, we will control it when it rises again. So maybe it's an intended consequence for, for these things to happen, the great reset and what have you. Uh, but I'm, I'm personally hoping, at least as far as President Ramaphosa and Minister nabedi Abrams is concerned that these are unintended consequences and that we can convince them that this is just a bad idea. And that if they want to reduce data prices, they need to uh, lower regulation in the ICT sector but also uh, more broadly engage in liberalization and deregulation of the economy on a whole scale level, which will uh, increase competition in general, lower prices in general, and ensure people can get jobs and uh, get more disposable income. That's really the only way that you can uh, attain these uh, uh, fantastic goals that the president has set. um, And that's through a free market, not through central direction.
0: I think the point about unintended consequences is very important, and also just the broader context of the economy. I'm just going to link this to something that um, I heard, I think I read, that Minister Kostosano-Klamini Zuma said regarding the closure of beaches over the holiday period, and I'm paraphrasing here, um, you know, so apologies to the Minister, but along the lines of, she doesn't quite understand why people are so upset with the closure of the beaches and it won't affect the local economies in that area. And I think it indicates the sort of position of many politicians and ministers and bureaucrats in our government, just how they see parts of the economy as very isolated. They don't see how people going to those areas, they might not even go directly to the beaches, but they're going to the area to spend money at restaurants, you know, with vendors on the streets, that kind of thing. People who desperately need need that money, especially after this year, when tourism was so badly hit. So, what uh, President Ramaphosa instructed Indobini Abrams to do is linked, I think, to the mentality of someone such as uh, Minister, and Lamini Zuma, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, it's a very, uh, I want to say it's a childish understanding of economics. So, I think what the Minister said was, uh, there are no businesses on the beach. I mean, it's can. Right. Right. So, obviously, what's the why are we worried? It's just sand. It's not like there's big corporations and so on based out of beaches and so on. So this is very silly of us ordinary dummies to be worrying about the closure of the beaches. It won't have any effect on the economy. So I think that's what the minister was getting at. I mean, that is a, a, a very uh, childish understanding of economics. I mean, that's the uh, the at best what it is. At worst, of course, it's a very... Uh, uh, authoritarian understanding of economics, Mm -hmm. uh, which is to say that, well, we don't intend the economy to be harmed, but we're directing Mm -hmm. the beaches to be closed, so therefore the economy can't be harmed, because that is what we've directed. It's the same thing President Ramaphosa said about uh, expropriation, about compensation. He said that, yeah, we're doing this, but why are you worried? I've now assured the country that there won't be food shortages, or food security won't be harmed, investment won't be harmed, and the economy will be boosted, in fact, by EWC. That is my order. That is what I've directed must happen. And because government is the supreme power in society, of course, that is what must happen. What is this nonsense about the invisible hand of the market? That That's all subject to the people's will as represented by parliament. So why are we... Why are we worried? Of course, the reality is that econom- the, the economy doesn't care about political diktat. It, it really could not care less. Uh, it can, the laws of economics will operate regardless of any other uh, uh, imposition that is brought to bear upon it. Uh, this is why in communist countries people die in droves. This is why things fall apart. It's not like those governments are always like, haha, we're going to kill all the people. That's usually not their intention. Often it is the intention, but I think usually it's not the intention, uh, but it happens regardless because the economy doesn't care what the politicians say about what needs to happen. And we're going to see that I think the tourism industry has already been hit incredibly hard by the lockdown. Um, uh, I've, I've heard that uh, hotel groups obviously during hard lockdown essentially had to close down, especially the uh, small hotels had to close down entirely. There's no business when you can't move over provincial and international boundaries. Uh, but now we, we're just doing it again because some politicians said, oh, there's this mutation and the second wave, which all might be true by the way, and it's bad. That does not change the fact that we shouldn't add insult to injury and add salt to the wound by closing down the economy again. Uh, so I think tourism and the garden route and in other areas where this uh, hard lockdown is coming again uh, it's 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 gonna be terrible and it's again very foreseeable we we knew this was coming we could have told government hey this is what this is what the result was going to be regardless of what you said but at best they have this childish understanding of economics meaning and i think this is true they don't they don't understand economics uh, but also a very authoritarian. As you always point out in your article is a very authoritarian philosophy uh, approach to governance in general, where everything must happen at the dictat of the state. So, yeah, it's all around. It's it's a bad, bad situation. And I think uh, a lot of education, not just for ordinary people, but for quality intelligentsia is also necessary for them to really understand how the economy works and really that people are entitled to make their own decisions. Uh, even though you might disagree with them.
0: You touched on uh, expropriation without compensation, so that was the second thing I wanted us to focus on today. Um, I'm not sure where you wanted to start. Maybe an overview of where the matter currently stands. Any followers of the FMF will know it's a big focus area of ours trying to fight for and protect the property rights that South Africans have that were very hard won after centuries of... of, um, of seizure of property of denying people their property rights on the basis of the color of their skin. And we might be heading back in the direction where the state controls all property and can decide what you may own and what you may not and where you may invest, where you may not, that kind of thing. Once property rights go out the window, the sort of whole edifice of a rights respecting liberal democracy that I think many of us across the left and right spectrum um value and admire for many reasons once the property rights go all of that falls falls apart so yeah martin over to you on on ewc
1: yeah so since the last time we've discussed ewc in depth on this podcast the fmf has had uh, a round table on expropriation about compensation where we had some of the leading legal uh, political and economic experts from around the country really putting our heads together Uh, to discuss how we can uh, fight against EWC, how we can challenge it legally, uh, what are some of the consequences that might arise and how we might respond to that. And I think that was a very productive event. Uh, We've also had a a webcast with uh, Business Leadership South Africa where uh, many uh, good views from from the business community were also raised. I think that while uh, corporate South Africa uh, has to keep up the appearance that they're cooperating with government. I think it was quite clear that, in fact, uh, companies are very concerned about EWC. um, And they rightly should be, because uh, as we've pointed out repeatedly, this is not just going to be something that affects farmers or the agricultural sector, uh, but it's going to really have detrimental consequences for the entire economy, uh, the length and breadth of it. So that's what the FMF has been up to. Um, I've had an article published in the Pretoria Student Law Review on challenging EWC. Um, So that's been done. Um, But as far as the process for EWC itself is concerned, not much has changed. The amendment to the constitution is still waiting in the wings. Um, it, It might become a very hot, hot button topic this coming year during the local government elections uh, where those who favor EWC will probably say again, oh, look at us, we have this amendment to the constitution ready to go, we're doing this. Uh, and those who are against EWC, which I hope are increasing numbers of South Africans, um, will say, look uh, look at what they're planning. They're trying to take our, our hard-won rights away, as you said, these hard-won property rights that came at a great cost uh, to end apartheid as well. Um, The government has published an expropriation bill Uh, that should not be confused with the amendment to the constitution to enable expropriation without compensation. The expropriation bill provides that under certain circumstances government may expropriate property without compensation and this this uh, bill requires the constitution to be be amended first before it, uh, it is constitutional. Currently the expropriation bill would be unconstitutional if it were enacted, but if the constitution is uh, if the constitution is amended, then it might probably be constitutional, depending on whether, of course, various civil society groups can challenge the amendment to the constitution. Um, so the uh, expropriation bill does uh, uh, some of the funny things in it, funny and tragic at the same time. Uh, is that, for instance, uh, it says that public property can be expropriated without compensation, so the property of other state entities. But those state entities can refuse to consent, and then, well, they're not going to expropriate that property, Um, which is interesting because ordinary South Africans, corporations, uh, ordinary people uh, with food stalls on the side of the road, we don't get to consent or not consent. Uh, If they want to expropriate our property, we just have to go along with it. I mean, this is ridiculous because the, the Constitution says that the rule of law is supreme in South Africa and the rule of law says that the governed and the, gov- the governors shall be bound by the same law, yet the expropriation bill says that, well, if you don't want to be expropriated and you're in government, you can just say, nah. But if you're an ordinary South African, and we're presumably the people, the sovereign power in the country, we are the, the leaders and the government is our servants. Uh, No, we don't, we don't get to say no, our servants get to say no, we just have to take it, uh, take the beating. So that's quite ridiculous. Um,
0: So I was just gonna say, please, can we see South African Airways trying to take the property of ESCOM and like just state entities fighting with each other, because then I will enjoy the process.
1: Yes, no, that's, that's what the, the FMF has been arguing for. And that's to say that If you want to take property you have to take state property because they own vast swathes of land and other property that's being underutilized and in many cases not being used at all Um, so yes there is available property for the taking but it's government property so take that and now they've answered by saying okay we'll do that but yeah they can say no which obviously they always will because (laughs) it's 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 one of those things that uh you, you need to be somewhat trained in law to recognize it. And that is that if consent plays a role, it's not, it's not expropriation. Expropriation by its nature means you're taking something from someone by law without their consent. Otherwise, you're just asking them for it, and they get to say yes or no, and it's a gift. Uh, that's not expropriation. Um, so this, this um, consensual aspect being built into it is actually a fraud that is being perpetrated on the South African people. And in fact, on the constitution um, because the government is saying, "Oh, this will be expropriation without compensation of government land. You said that we need to take state land because there's so much of it without taking private land. Look, we're doing it. But in fact, there, there there's a fraudulent aspect there saying that, yeah, they can just say no, um, it's, it's total fraud. It's total fraud and in in that respect, it's definitely part and parcel of South African politics, uh, of promises and total lies being thrown around every single day. Uh, So the expropriation bill is quite worrying. um, But as I said, it needs to wait for the amendment to the Constitution to be affected first. I don't know if government is going to wait um, if they uh, if they adopt the expropriation bill before the amendment to the Constitution. Then definitely a bunch of organizations are going to challenge that in court, and assuming the judge has a good legal head on his on his shoulders, the court must find the expropriation bill as it currently stands to be unconstitutional because the constitution still requires compensation under all circumstances uh, when property is expropriated. Um, So yeah, that's more or less where we stand on expropriation without compensation. It's still I, I think, and this is a controversial view to hold, I'm sure, that it's more of, far more of a threat to us than the COVID-19 lockdowns, even hard lockdowns. Um, I know a lot of people have now been in the thick of the lockdown, it's been terrible, and I share that sentiment 100%. Um, but if you look at countries like uh, Zimbabwe in the early 2000s to, the, to about 2008, if you look at Venezuela right now, and also for several years before the lockdown, people were starving in the streets. They were uh, using paper money as toilet paper. They were going to zoos to steal animals to eat. They were eating their own pets. That is what happened in those countries because of expropriation of compensation. Now, I know the lockdown has been bad and we got close to a lot of that, but I don't think people appreciate just what is awaiting us. If we uh, uh, implement expropriation without compensation and then really apply it, I mean, the government can adopt the amendment and then do nothing, which will be okay then. But the threat will definitely be hanging over our heads almost permanently then. It will be an institutionalized threat and will really create a nervous condition among the South African people and definitely among investors. Um, but if they do implement it, the this, this society will be destroyed, the, the economy will be destroyed and with it we will see starvation, we will see uh, civil strife. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see the end of democracy as a, as a downstream consequence of seizing the private property of, of people on a large, large scale, uh, that's usually what has happened in socialist states. Um, so this is an expropriation of our compensation, in my view, really is an existential threat uh, to South Africa, and, and we shouldn't confuse it with the necessity of some land reform. The Constitution already provides for land reform. It says that if your property was taken from you or from your ancestors uh, by discriminatory, discriminatory legislation, then you are entitled to get that property back or a comparable amount in money. And that's fine. I think that's perfectly fine. That makes sense. Uh, If property was taken from you or your ancestors, of course, it needs to be given back. So in that sense, the so-called original sin, that's true. That needs to be addressed. But expropriation without compensation does not do that. These are two very different things. And we need to bear in mind the the difference in nature between them. Restitution is a people-centric pro-property rights thing, where you receive your own property back it was, it's yours. You may have it. That's that's private property rights at its at its height. Expropriation without compensation is a government-centric thing where politicians are being given the power to pick and choose which property to take without paying for it. And then the consequence of that is they will keep that property. I'm 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 certain of that. They will keep that property either for themselves, which is government, or for politically connected people. They will dish that out, as happened in. Zimbabwe and Venezuela, not to the needy, not to those who might deserve to to farm, or those who want to farm, or those who, who can use this property in a, in a productive way, but it will be given to people who are connected politically, or the government will lease it out, um, which socialist country after socialist country has tried and failed. Um, so yeah, it's it's it really is an existential threat. We need to bear in mind this distinction between land reform, restitution, and uh, expropriation without compensation and above all we really need to get the government to not go through with the amendment to the constitution and if they do we need to fight every single day of our lives to get the constitution returned to its proper legitimate status where it protects property rights rather than undermines them.
0: Okay, so, on the menu for twenty twenty one there's is number one is expropriation without compensation. What other um, positive or negative predictions do you have for next year? I mean I will say this with the spoiler warning for viewers and listeners if you think twenty twenty was bad and it really was for people all around the world um might be the worst year that many, many people have for a long time to come. Just the fact that government got the taste of how far they can push the envelope with the powers they can implement and the control they can seize with lockdowns. When the threat is perceived to be big enough, I think that bodes, that that's a scary thought for the rest of this decade and maybe for the rest of this century. So on that somber note, and anything that stands out to you in the next year or so, it could be just focused on South Africa or if you wanna make wider sort of Africa or world uh, predictions.
1: Yeah, so uh, just on that point about emergency uh, powers, uh, there's uh, someone said, I I can't recall who, uh, it's a quote, but um, if rights can be sacrificed during emergencies, then it will be in the interest of government to create emergencies continuously, uh, manufacture them. And we will absolutely see that if the civil society pushback against the uh, lockdown and emergency and and disaster regulations uh, is not very forceful. Uh, We need to keep up the the pressure on government to say, yeah, we're gonna make it insanely difficult for you to do something like this again. Uh, Maybe then we can salvage it, but if we just lay down and say, oh no, we need to listen to what the minister said and just do whatever the minister says, then yeah, we'll expect to see a lot more of this in in future years. They might declare TB to be a national disaster. They might declare AIDS to be a national disaster, and then it will just become a permanent state of disaster that will just always live under and live under the diktat of, of ministers who claim that they're following expert advice, but in fact, they're just interpreting selectively what experts to listen to, which tends to increase their own power. So we need to be very careful of that. That's a, a very vital point. Yeah, so I'm a cynic. Uh, I, I I don't know. I don't know if 2021 is going to be okay, better. I so I'll
0: cut off the episode right there. I'm going to end it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hope 2021 is going to be better. This year has been terrible. But although um, you shared a very good article a few weeks ago from the American Institute for Economic Research where they said, yeah, the... Uh, 2021 is actually still one of the best years in human history. Uh, and I take that point entirely. Uh, we still, as a, as a human civilization, we are still far better off than we were uh, even two decades ago. Economically, we're still prospering. Uh, but the government is obviously now this year doing everything in its power to undo that. And now we're adding more people to the ranks of the poor around the world with, the, with these lockdowns. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, 2021 is going to be a fresh new start. I don't see that happening. Our Minister of Health seems very keen, very, very keen on getting back to a hard lockdown. He was so excited when he discovered this uh, new strain of COVID-19. Like, you would imagine that when they discovered it, they would just have said, OK, yeah, this is bad. Uh, we concede this is terrible. But we saw the damage that the lockdown does. We're not doing that again. So please just social distance, use your masks, wash your hands, do all of that. Please be careful, but we're not locking down again. But you know, our government was excited with this, this thing. Like within, within a week like of, this, of this thing uh, being discovered, all of a sudden people are talking about locking down again. There they closed the garden route, beaches are closed. Yeah, real, real palpable excitement with this new strain of the COVID-19 virus. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not seeing in a week when 2020 ends that they're just going to say, OK, the year is over. We're done with this now. I think this is going to carry on. The, the, the happiness that our government is currently operating with is not just going to go away in the next week. So yeah, as far as COVID-19 goes, I really hope this vaccine works. Um, I know there is a very high survival rate for COVID-19 anyway. But if the vaccine works, then at least we can say, hey, you really don't need to lock down now, just vaccinate um, and then, then then we can carry on with life. So I really hope the vaccine works and that these uh, somewhat terrible side effects I've been hearing about are eliminated. Um, then that would be good for 2021. Hopefully 2021 is known as the year which COVID-19 was cured uh, or, or uh, at least uh, made less bad made non-lethal in a sense um as far as ewc is concerned it seems like they're waiting for the election to use it as an election tool so uh, uh maybe we have another year uh, before anything happens in ewc and that gives us a, some time in 2021 to really double down on the battle against uh, reckless property rights policy and really uh, defend property rights. Um, the local government election, of course, is happening in South Africa. It's an important election. Um, uh, I think it's 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 gonna show us how strong the opposition is in South Africa nowadays. After the realignment uh, that's happened between last year and here, um, we will see whether the so-called new new dawn <laughs> that was promised a few years ago in South Africa is still being believed by South Africans. Um, I hope they see through that. I hope that the, ele- the local government elections show us that uh, South Africans are waking up to the reality of political lies and that in fact the new dawn has been more of the same if not a totally worse uh, policy uh, uh, program that that has been imposed on us, especially in the last year. Um, That's what the local government elections will hopefully show us. Um, So, yeah, I. I guess I'm 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 not optimistic, but I'm I'm quite excited about the local government elections to see just just where South Africa finds itself now. There is a certain third largest political party in South Africa, which I would like to see very much lose many, 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 many votes. Um, I, I hope that the local government elections will pay off on that. Um, yeah, I on the world stage, I'm not a, I'm not a big follower of international politics. Um, I, I would like to see a resolution to the Hong Kong situation that that's basically fallen off the radar in many respects. I'm actually quite worried about what's happened to the the activist leaders of the Hong Kong riots that happened uh, or I think it was earlier this year. Um, there, there was talk that the Chinese government was going to wait for everything to die down and the excitement to die down, and then they would essentially arrest those leaders and take them off to uh, prisons in mainland China. I don't know if that's happened. I really hope not. So I would like to see a, a good resolution to that situation. I would like to see that these leaders of the the protests are still uh, alive and free and healthy and so on. Um, That's that's something I personally would like to see. I would like to see Hong Kong get back the autonomy that it was promised uh, when the United Kingdom handed it over to the People's Republic of China. Um, I'm not I don't think we're necessarily going to see that, but I, I hope that To an extent, at least, the Chinese government uh, wants to take pressure off itself, with uh, many people still blaming it for the coronavirus outbreak, and then they would, uh, as a result, at least say, okay, well, we're not going to do this in Hong Kong anymore. I I I would like that very much. Um, The American situation, obviously, is quite... (laughs) quite interesting. Uh, I think the uh, United States Congress will need to, in early January, so in the next two weeks or so, they'll need to ratify the outcome of the presidential election of this year. Um, That's something that a lot of people are waiting for. Some really think that Congress is going to say that the election is invalid and uh, Donald Trump is still the president and there needs to be another election or something like that. I think I don't think that is going to happen at all. I think Joe Biden will probably be uh, confirmed as being President of the United States. Um, yeah, I, I have no strong views on on Biden or Trump. Either way, both have better points than the others and both have significant uh, bad aspects of policy. Um, the one one really, really bad aspect of uh, Donald Trump's policy. Of course, was his uh, views on immigration, um, uh, which I hope will be reversed by the next administration, uh, that the United States would open up its immigration at least to uh, uh, pre-Obama levels. Barack Obama wasn't very good on on immigration himself. Um, So I I would like to see a liberalization in that respect uh, you, you, I, I think, in general, you want to see the West move away from this uh, populist uh, 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 the wave that's been sweeping across across the West in general over the last uh, uh, four or five years, uh, and not necessarily replace that with the establishment again. I don't think that's a good idea either. But uh, uh, maybe a new liberal consensus uh, uh, where individual rights are respected where the value of a free market is recognized uh, uh, and where both the so-called people and the establishment are, are really put secondary to considerations of individual freedom. That's, that's of course what I think we want to see in 2021. Um, being a cynic, I don't think that's necessarily what we're gonna see right now. Maybe in a qu- over the course of a decade, we'll see that starting to develop again, uh, not necessarily in 2021. But yeah, don't. I mean, I I, I'm I'm a massive cynic, but I don't want people to despair. I don't want people to uh, uh, curl up into a little ball and say, "What's the point? Let's let's just roll over and die." That's not what I do. My cynicism really motivates me to to do more for the cause of liberty, to really uh, push back harder against uh, what governments are doing. And I really hope that is uh, that. The bad situation that we're in and that we might stay in for a while still motivates people to, to stand up for their rights, to, to not roll over for whatever government says. Uh, support organizations like the Free Market Foundation, the Institute of Race Relations, AFRI Forum, Solidarity, the uh, Saqalikha, these organizations which have done immensely good work over the last year against lockdown regulations. Uh, support them financially, support them morally, support them in discourse. Um, uh, yeah, uh, uh, see this as more of a reason to push back rather than a reason to to cut yourself off and to just curl up in a ball. Uh, know that you have the power. We as as ordinary people, really do have the power to uh, to turn things around. Uh, we just need to be coordinated. We need to be persistent and we need to be dedicated, uh, otherwise uh, they, they will steamroll us. Um, but so, yeah, um, I'm very cynical, but but you, let's use that uh, and, and uh, get ourselves a better deal going forward.
0: I think it's a cynicism tinged with realism, with the right sort of ideas and, and proposals sprinkled in um, mean, My final word on this year will just be, I hope that many people realize just how fragile the prosperity we have, the liberty that we have, how fragile it is, and that it goes against much of human history. It shouldn't be taken for granted in many areas of the world. Still, people don't have liberal democracies, property rights, respecting governments um, in those places where those ideas have been implemented, stuff like the rule of law, individual rights, um, respecting your, your neighbor's freedom of speech to agree or disagree with you, all these sorts of intangibles, they have effects in the real world. And in those places where they've been implemented, people's lives have been materially much better off than in those places where they haven't. Um, and we need to realize how special that is. And it takes work to protect these things and fight for them. That's what we try and do at the FMF and all those other organizations that you mentioned, Martin, I think it's vital that South Africans continue to support their civil society organizations, um, even those with whom you might not be 100% on the same page. It's At this point in time, it's sort of a rear guard action. You simply have to put your your sort of your ideas and your bravery and your money on the line and support the ideas. It's a battle of ideas and, you know, we need support to continue fighting them. Um, I will also mention that, you know, this will be <laughs> maybe the sound bite will be taken out of context kind of thing, but I hope for a great reset. I hope for a great reset in the context of a return to respecting individual rights, the, the very pillars of classical liberalism. Um, those ideas lead to prosperity. I don't want a great reset that simply increases governmental power, whether it's of particular governments or whether it's of a one world government. Um, There where the state overrides the individual, um, we see infractions on liberty and we see genocide um, and that kind of thing. It goes sort of from the small scale infringing of your rights to the very biggest level. So yes, I do hope for a great reset in the right kind of way. I think there is an opportunity to push for the right ideas. The right ideas improve people's lives So let's continue pushing for them. Let's influence the narrative and push things, I think, in in what could be a good direction if we do the work. Um, I think we'll end there um, before we we go on to anything else. I think we've covered it quite well. Um, Viewers and listeners... We want to once again thank you for all your support this year through a very difficult year. Um, Whether you just liked the videos and shared them, that means a lot to us. Whether you donated to the FMF, we of course greatly appreciated that. Please continue trying to do so. Um, Our videos and our podcasts have done incredibly well this year and that's only thanks to your support. We can't do it without you engaging on our videos and sharing them and engaging with us. Uh, We should be back in the new year with all sorts of new Uh, fresh topics for you, uh, new guests, a whole range of stuff that we have planned. Um, We wish all of you a very happy and restful festive period. Take some time for yourselves. Um, If you get to see family, spend time with them. It's very important to to sort of connect with those around us when we have the chance to don't underestimate the importance of community connections and and just uh, spending some time outside of the noise and the hustle and bustle of the news and that kind of thing. The FMF will, of course, continue fighting the fight for classical liberalism um, and we hope that you're with us in 2021. I think uh, for now we'll say goodbye and uh, have a good holiday.